0: That was an abrupt end, huh? Right there. That's quick there. Hey, uh, it is so good to have each one of you here this week. Um, I hope that you are excited and uh, happy to be here. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving this past week. Um, I hope you were able to eat and uh, enjoy family, and uh, even many of you enjoy uh, maybe a day or two off in there, something like that. Um, uh, Hopefully, uh, did not many of you enjoy that? Wow, it was that bad of a week. Wow, you must have a family like mine. Um, Oh my, no, did I say that out loud? I I was just joking. Hey, uh, we are so glad that you are here though, and we are starting a new series, and uh, it's going to be a series, um, Jesus Talks Money. But before we get into that, I I just want to say this again this week. I said it last week, and um, I want to say it again this week for some of you who may not have been here. Uh, Just a big thanks to, to everybody that is here, to all the people who work, to all the people who serve here at Bridgewater Conklin. Um, as Reed is mentioning, as he is talking about the student ministry and the help for people back there, we are so thankful for the people that are back there. As a matter of fact, um, good news to you guys this morning. Um, my son is back there this morning, and he reminded me, we did some work this week where we uh, where we got some leaves uh, bagged up, and they have to go out tonight so that they get taken care of tomorrow, and he reminded me um, that they need to go out today, and um Ending early or on time would be helpful to get those out. I don't know. Phones, what do you do with them? Teens, what do you do with them? I, right? I don't know. I Just for the record, I texted him, not a chance. I'm sorry. We'll We'll work on that one. But a big thank you to all the people that work out back there, to the people that work in here, to our worship team, to those that come in throughout the week. To our people at the front of house, to those that are greeters that come in and welcome, those that set up the coffee out there so that you guys can stay awake during a Sunday morning message. Don't laugh at that one. I appreciated the rest of you that didn't laugh. Thank you. That way, did not wake up at this moment at least. All right, on that. But uh, a big thanks to all of you. It has been a pleasure over this last year to be here and hopefully encourage, uh, encourage you during this time as, as we move forward towards having a new campus pastor um, arrive, and that'll be sometime here in December as, as we are looking forward to that. But thank you to each one of you. Um, thank you for your encouragement, people that come every day, for your giving, for your encouragement, for your encouragement to the people here of the, bo- the body at this church here. Um, it has been hopefully a good year for you. I am thankful to you and thankful for the encouragement that you are. Hey, so this morning, as we get this series started, by the way, um, Last week, we gave out some Hershey's Kisses, and there are still a lot of them left, all right? So this morning, all right, if you want to make the Second Service jealous, clear them all out, clean them all out, or if you want to be kind to the Second Service, whichever way it is, but there are still some Hershey Kisses back there. I was a little nervous the way I worded it all last week. Remember, I think I told you I sounded a little creepy. So this morning, just let you know, Hershey's Kisses on your way out, please have a couple. Enjoy those um just as a way of saying thank you to each one of you for the encouragement that you are so get our mind around and let's take a look at what we are talking about this morning Jesus talks money do you realize that in our in our gospels in in our four gospels in the four gospel accounts there are in the upper 30s 35 some would say 37 38 parables that Jesus tells in that range there and of those parables Jesus talks more about money than he does heaven. Um, Are are we aware of that in our lives? Um, Jesus talks more about how we treat, how we care for. As a matter of fact, 16 of those parables reference in some sort money. And if this is your first time coming to church here, um, uh, our desire, our desire is not to say, oh oh boy, we want your money. Um, And you're like, boy, I came to church first Sunday, somebody invited me and they're going to talk money. Alright, our desire is not that we want to get into, we, we, it's not about the money. It's, you're going to recognize with Jesus that it's about an attitude, it's about a heart issue, and it's a help to each one of us, whether we are a Christ follower, if you are just wondering, or if you're just there like, nah, I don't buy any of this. Um, giving is a very important part of life, and hopefully we recognize that as we go through this message this morning. But I, but I want you to know, Jesus, if you are a follower of Christ, if you are here and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus talks to us about the way that we handle, about the way that we care for our money. And, and he, wants us, he wants us to live a life that recognizes that God is in charge, that he is in control. Do you realize in those 16 parables that Jesus talks about money, or I shouldn't say in the 16 parables, but all throughout the Gospels, we never see where Jesus is asking for money, right? If you're one of those people that says churches, that's all they do. The pastors stand up and they ask for money. They ask for money, right? Um, I don't think that's the case here at Bridgewater, and, and we don't want that to be the case. We always want to be thankful to those of you that give. But Jesus never asked for money. There was one time where he asked for a coin, but that was really just to say, hey, um, whose inscription's on it? And then he taught him a little lesson there that, yeah, yeah, money, that has the inscription of the government on it, Yeah. So give to, guess what, give to Pharaoh, give to Caesar, that which is Caesar's, and give to God that which is God's. Why was he saying that? Because the inscription of God, we are made in the image of God. So he was using that and probably gave it back to the best of our knowledge, gave it back to whoever gave it to him. Jesus was not here to ask for money, but rather to teach us about money, to teach us about the way that we handle money. So, if you are like many of us today, all right, and um, when it it comes to Jesus talking money, one of the things that we know in our lives is more money is never enough money, correct? Do any of you ever have that problem? And it's why more is never enough, right? If I just get a little bit more, right? That was was my thought when I first started out, right? When I first started out in my job, uh, well, when did I graduate from college? Five years ago? Oh, yeah, now you laugh uh <laughs> a lot of years ago right when i first get out you're there like "Ooh, if i just make a little bit more just a little bit more and then as we make more what happens yeah we need more just a little bit more see in order for my son to send me that text to finish on time for you this morning we got to pay for our, we got to pay for our um cell phone bill right cell phones who needs these things anyway we could go on with life without them can't we Yeah, no, not a chance, right? We depend on them. And I got to get around, so there's a car. We got to pay for a car, whether that's a car payment or just one big payment. Whatever I do, I need a car. There's more money out the door. And if I'm going to drive a car, guess what I have to do? Pay pay insurance. What's that mean? Got to pay that too, right? And guess what? Can I tell you something? I have kids. They, for some reason, think they need to eat. I don't understand why, but they think they need to eat. There's more money, right? And money just comes, money just comes in and it goes back out, right? Just goes back out, goes back out. You just, you just open up your wallet or you just take your debit card and you just keep paying, 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 right? Why more is never enough. Well, in the, in the parable that we're going to take a look at this morning, Jesus is going to talk to us. And hopefully explain to us. Because he is talking to the people there in that day. But guess what? The parable is just as accurate for us today. It's as accurate for us to learn. For us to understand what it is that Jesus is saying about money. And wherever you land on the spectrum of Jesus. Let's go back to that idea. If you are a full-fledged follower of Jesus Christ. Then we need to follow what he says. If you are somebody who's like, well, I don't really know if I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Then let, let me help you out. Many people still think that the teachings of Jesus are very applicable and helpful in their life, so it will help you as well in your life. And hopefully it'll turn you into a follower. Hopefully it'll turn you to the point where you realize, you know what, I do need a Savior. I do need Jesus Christ. Well, let's take a look at this passage. It's going to be found in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, Jesus is talking to a group of people. And as he is talking to these people, there's going to be something that comes up here. All right, and as this as goes about, let's take a look at the story that is told right here. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to, defi- to divide the inheritance with me. Right? Isn't that something that each one of us want? Brother, divide the inheritance with me. Now, maybe this is a younger brother speaking about the older brother, because remember, in this time frame, as, Je- as Jesus is speaking, when he, if he is speaking to a Jewish group, which he is, he's speaking to a Jewish audience and others around that would be there, all right, the oldest brother, guess what he gets? A double portion. That doesn't sound very fair to me. I'm the younger brother, all right? So I don't like the idea that older brother gets double portion. And yet that was the idea that would take place here. So maybe it's a younger brother that's calling out to him, hey, Jesus, I want you to tell my brother to just divide it with me 50-50. That's fair. Why is he more important? But whatever the case is, divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replies to him, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? So the situation here that is set up is that there is a situation where a guy is saying, hey, I want more of the inheritance. So that's the idea. More. I want more. All right. And Jesus is going to tell this parable. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. If you are anything like me, I I don't know, I kind of like the idea of an abundance of possessions, right? You see, at my house this morning, and probably at your house as well, you had to clear snow off of your uh, car. Is that correct? I hate clearing snow off of cars, and that's why when we moved here, we made sure that we bought a house with a two-car garage. But do you know something that's a problem? No. A two-car garage isn't big enough. All right? Because we have three cars. And I need to take care of my lawnmower, not only my lawnmower, but two of my lawnmowers, okay? And I need to take care of my other stuff. So one side has some stuff in it still, and I'll clear that out so that I don't have to clear them up. But I need a bigger garage because I have more possessions. Jesus is warning when he looks at them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And I just want to stop as we look at greed for just a second here because I want you to think about this. Greed is something that is so hard to see in the mirror. Isn't it? I can see it in other people's lives, but I am never greedy it's just that I need this, all right? It's just that I need to save. I need to care. I need to hold on to it. It's not me that is greedy. I, I do see that in other people. I, I see that in lots of other people, right i can I can observe that. but it is so difficult to see when we look in the mirror. Why? Because we know our story and we understand why we need the needs that we have. and Jesus' warning as he goes as he goes into this story, his warning is. Listen, this other, the, the brother is coming saying, hey, divide the inheritance with me. I want to have the division of it. I want my portion. And Jesus is warning, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Why? Life does not consi- consist of an abundance of possessions. And he told him this parable. He continues on. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, you, and just think about this, I will say to myself, self, I have plenty, right? You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this night, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Jesus finishes it by saying this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. The first struggle that we have in our life, all right, the first struggle, the first lie that we want to buy into when money is never enough, why we never have enough, right? The first thing that we want to buy into is this, because we think that it is all from me, right? We think that it is all from me. Why is money never enough? Because I think everything that I make, all that I have, it's all from me, right? I've worked really hard for a number of years, right? Isn't that our case? I've worked hard. I have all this. It's all mine. So what do I do? I take it upstairs and I store it in my attic and put it away, never to come down again. What do I do? I take it down to my basement and I put it down there, never to go, never to, never to, come out again. What do I do? I take it out to the garage. Well, I just told you I've got to move it out of there, right? I've got to make sure that I move it around there so that I have room to keep my cars parked in there, right? To keep the snow and the ice off of them. But, right, we move it around. Why? Because I think that it is all from me. And if we aren't careful, we, get, we fall into this trap. We fall into the trap of believing that it is all from me. I've done it. I've earned it. I've worked hard. Go back to what Jesus warned, right? How did he warn him? He warned him: be on your guard against this. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life doesn't consist of this, right? It doesn't just consist of the possessions that we, ha- that we have. Greed, again, it's so hard to see. It's so hard to see when I look at myself. He continued, Jesus, right? Let's look back at what he said again. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And what was his comment? I have no place to store all my crops. The ground of a certain rich man. How does that ground provide? Does it provide because the rain falls, the sun shines? Who provides the rain? Who provides the sun? Who provides the health that you're able to go and do this job? Who provides the ability? Who provides the fact that it grows like it does? See, sometimes we think it's all of us, and yet, you know what? God has given you the health. God has given you the brain. God has given you the ability to go and do what it is that you do. And yet, sometimes we think that it's just of me. It's all my own doing. And yet when you look around and you see people around you, our health can be taken from us in a moment, right? It's the thanks of God. Thank you, Lord, that I have the ability to go. Our job, one of the things that you've learned, right? Your job can be taken from you in a moment. Not as a result of anything you've done, but just all of a sudden they've downsized. They're closing, they're moving, whatever it may be. And suddenly that employment that was so good no longer there. And some of you have gone through that, through the difficulties of that. And it's probably changed your perspective a little bit on work, realizing, wait, wait, wait. I did all this. And how quickly it can go. It can go. I have no place to store all my crops. We would never say that, right? <laughs> Think about it. We, we would never say that I have no place to store all my crops. But maybe we would say I have no place to store all my stuff. So I need to build a bigger closet. I need to get a bigger bin to store my stuff in. I need to get more of this in order to store it away, right? We need to be cautious in our lives. Cautious, why? Because we can be like this rich man in this parable without even recognizing it, without even thinking it, without even understanding that that, uh, Jesus is so good it talking right to the heart of the regular person that he was meeting with. It's why they loved going and hearing him. Why? Because they went and they would listen to the spiritual leaders, they'd listen to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and they spoke and they're like, Ugh, we don't know about you guys speak. Why? Because they, they had zero humility, all right? And they just wanted to teach us people who were wiser, smarter, better than anybody else. And yet Jesus shows up on the scene. God in a body, and he is teaching people, and they're listening to him. Why? Because his teaching was so practical. And he's teaching them, and he's letting them know, and they're listening, and they're there like, boy, God isn't just speaking against us, but rather he's given us insight into how to live, how to be cautious in our lives. In the, in the United States of America, um, this was a Business Insider study, um, nearly 40% of Americans making more than $100,000 annual annually, and I believe the combined income, if I remember um, normally, a- in a normal American house is somewhere around 60 grand. I can't remember; if it was 58 or 63 grand. Um, uh, household would be nor- Would be the normal income, would be the, I guess, median would be what they would say, the average income. I should say it that way, the average income. But of those making 100000 nearly 40% of them said they live paycheck to paycheck. How many of you, if you made $100,000, think that you could do better than living paycheck to paycheck, right? Don't raise your hand, but it's probably a good number of us, right? We would probably say, oh, I, I think I could do it. I could do all that. And yet 40% of Americans doing that. Live paycheck to paycheck. What does paycheck to paycheck mean in this study? They, they said that the paycheck to paycheck me- meant that they could not cover an emergency that cost $1,000. They would have to borrow. They would have to go into debt in order to cover an emergency that, cost that was of, of $1,000. Now think about this. If that's you in your life, all right, and it's many of us, and so, but if that is us in our life, if we cannot cover a $1,000 emergency in our own life, what does that mean? We would struggle to help out a loved one, a family member who is caught in the same situation, right? We live, near, we live paycheck to paycheck. That's here in our country. And yet we have so much wealth around us, right? As I mentioned, my garage, it's not big enough. Why? Because I have too many cars to fit in my two-car garage. You might, my house, it's not big enough to house all my TVs that I need, right? Because I need to watch the Eagles. And No, I'm just joking, right? Um, whatever it is that you have, whatever it is that you... do, you ever think about this? Think about this. I, I pick on our phones again. How many of us have ever taken a perfectly good phone into the store, into Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, whatever it is, a perfectly good phone that worked well, and we've walked out with a better one, right? Uh, Yeah. Why do we do that? There's nothing, by by the way, if if you think that there is nothing wrong with that in the world at all, right? Right. But I'm just pointing out what we have in this world, right? I will take my perfectly good phone in and say, you know what? There's a newer one. And you know what? It takes even better pictures than this one does. So I really need that one. Why? Because I have grandchildren or something, right? I, I don't have grandchildren myself, but because I got to get more pictures of my kids or something like that, right? So I need to have the better one, right? We do that. Not, and It is not an insult, But those are the ways that we do. We will will drive to a car dealer, right, in a car. We'll trade that car in for what? A better one, right? This one has newer tires. I I needed tires, so this was the the best way that I thought I could get tires is get this, right? We take a kitchen that has appliances in it, countertops. We rip them all out, and what do we do? Put new ones back in. Why? Because we like newer and nicer and better. Nothing wrong with that. But I'm talking about the idea of what we have. You see, the, when, when it talked about this idea that nearly 40% of Americans that make $100,000 or more a year live paycheck to paycheck, this was what they came up with. Living on, a constri- living on constrained budgets may therefore have less to do with income and more to do with expenses. And what do we do? We build up expenses. Why? Because we have a credit rating that says you are good enough to buy this. All right, And we can just put it out there on credit, on credit, on credit. And we need to be cautious in our lives with the way that we deal with our money. You see, more is never enough. Excuse me, more is enough when we believe that contentment is better than greed. What's the change in our life there? If we can be content with what we have, if we can learn to be content with the things that we have All right, it's not the brand new car, but you know what? I have a car that still runs and gets me around, and maybe I'll just drive it a little bit longer and save a few dollars. For some of us, we need to think that way. For some of you, you're there like, no, I've thought that way for years and I am in good shape and financially. I can afford, and I can move this way, and I can buy the nicer car. As a matter of fact, for some of you, they're like, no, I'm in a pretty good shape. As a matter of fact, I can build that four-car garage that I need because we have taken care of and handled our money well over the years. You see, more is enough when we believe that contentment is better than greed. And not only do we need to work on contentment, we need to work on another area in our lives. And this is the area that can so change, so affect you and me, and it's gratitude. You see, contentment and gratitude, all right, when we can put those together, they replace greed, and when we realize that it's all from God, right? When we are able to change that idea that it's all from me, that it's all from what I have done, it's all from my work, and that I start to realize, you know what, it's all from God. And I need to be thankful for it. I need to be thankful for my possessions. I need to be thankful for those around me. You know what, there are those around me that have taught me how to handle my money well. There are those around me that have taught me how to work well. There are those around me that have given me opportunities in employment so that I do well. There are those around me that have encouraged me. There are those around me that have given to me and I can show gratitude to them. Contentment and gratitude replace greed when we realize, you know what, there is a God and he has provided for me and it comes from him. Um, if gratitude was a pill, let me, let me say it this way, if gratitude was a pill, um, pharmaceutical companies would make billions off of it. You're like, what? How do you say that? Um, I, I think it's Pastor Bob that found this study and it's from uh, Berkeley uh, and, and let, let's just go to it right here. All right, gratitude is good for your health physically, emotionally, and relationally. It was a 15-year study that they did at, uh, at Berkeley about, about this idea. And it's, it provides psychological health. It improves people, all right? when you are When you are a grateful person, when you are filled with gratitude, guess what? You're happier, all right? The other thing that gratitude does, it counteracts depression and suicidal thoughts. Gratitude works on those things that so want to weigh us down in our life. Gratitude. Can we be thankful beyond that beyond that um people who wrote weekly gratitude letters or kept a gratitude general oh excuse general there you go what's that word (laughs) journal thank you okay Uh, somebody else want to offer to read with me up here is that okay can you read right those that kept a gratitude journal journal one time a week for 10 weeks guess what these were the effects that they had in their life they slept better all right they had clearer skin. I don't know why. How does that help my skin? They had lower blood pressure. All right, less worry. I can understand that. If I'm grateful, I probably worry less. That's a good thing, right? Less congestion. They, they, less, less nausea. They weren't sick to their stomachs often. Fewer body aches and fewer headaches. And that right there, it's from Greater Good Berkeley, um, Berkeley EDU. How in the world does that all work? Gratitude in our, in, in our lives a gratitude journal, gratitude letters. Anybody here in the habit of doing that? Maybe you're in a habit. Maybe you're not in the habit of doing that, but maybe you're in the habit of being thankful every night before you go to bed. Maybe you're in the habit of giving thanks to what God has given you every night before you go to bed. Maybe you're in the habit of saying, Lord, I I thank you for my family. I thank you for my spouse. Lord, I thank you for my church. Lord, I thank you for my job. I'm not sure what it is. But maybe you're in that habit. We want to encourage you as a church. As a matter of fact, Pastor Andrew set up a text. Um, and this is a text reminder. If, if you'd like to, you, you can text this number right now. All right, text thankful to that number. And you're going to get a response. And, and what it's going to be is it's going to be a reminder over the next 10 weeks. A reminder for you to be part of this gratitude, um, a gratitude journal. Or writing a grat- letters of gratitude. Writing thank, writing thank yous to people. Why? Because as a church, we want to encourage you. The thing about that study, one of the the interesting things about that study was that they said that people who only did it for a couple weeks, they didn't see those results. But people who did it over a long period of time, 10 weeks and more, they did see the results of that. I don't understand that. But somehow that attitude in our mind, it's able to change and it's able to bring us some relief in our own physical lives. Gratitude, it affects your body. It affects your sleep. It, affle- it affects your head. Isn't that an amazing thing? One of the things about gratitude is we, we come by it. Sometimes we come by it naturally. Some people are just grateful individuals, and maybe it's because of the way you were brought up. But for some of us, we have to work on that, right? Right? We have to work on it. When we're talking to our own family, when we're talking to those that are around us, we need to be thankful individuals. Let me just say this. If you would like, if you want to be a part of that gratitude challenge, all right, and you're like, well, I don't have a phone. I'm not going to text that por- portion to it. I'm a little nervous. I don't know. I don't want to be on another texting list. It's just the church. You'll be receiving something back from them, just a reminder weekly for that. But if you're not, if you're not into that, we have um, these, these thank you cards in the back. It's just a set of 10. If you would like to pick that up, if that's something that you would do, you're like, no, you know what? I do want to be committed. I I do want to give this a try. If you would like to do that, there's some of these packets back there in the back. I would encourage you, pick one of those up. Take them with you. Be somebody that says, you know what? Over the next 10 weeks, I'm going to be someone who writes a thank you, who gives gratitude to those that are around me. And we just look and we see people around us that we can be thankful to, thankful for. Thankful for what they do, what they have meant in your life. Let me encourage you to do that. Why more is never enough. More is never enough not only because we think that it's all from us, but because we think that it is all for me, right? We get in this idea that we think that all that I have, it's all for me. All my money coming in, it is for me. This is what the rich man thought. He thought to himself, where shall I, Where am I going to keep all my stuff, all right? I have no place to keep all of my crops as he continues on in Luke chapter 12, verse 17. Right, those are the comments that he makes. And from there he continues on and and then he said, this is what I will do. I will build for myself a bigger barn, right, so that I may store my stuff in it um, and keep going right there. uh, Right right there, I will build myself a bigger barn um, so that I have more stuff to supply, my surplus grain. Nothing wrong with that. And I will say to myself, You have done well. You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Is there anything wrong with this thinking? I hope not because I think having a 401K is a really good idea or having some sort of a retirement plan is a really good idea. So building up and saving for yourself, saving for that day that is going to come, right? Why? So that you're not a burden to somebody else, so that you have money to spend throughout your life. It's a really good idea. But what was his problem? He thought that it was all for him. In our lives, one of the things that we there, there are a handful of things that we can do with money. Right? Just think about this. We can give it, we can save it. We can spend it. Right? How many of you really like this part right here? That's the part that I really like. All right, I I I do I do really well with this one right here. How many of you really like this part right here, right? There's a handful that we really like that part there better, right? You're you're better at that part. You really like that one. Um, This one right here. Are we good at that? Are we good? I love to hear that. Be good at that. That's one of the things that Reed says thank you for up here regularly. Pastor Jeff says thank you for up here regularly. Thank you for the giving. Give. When we give, what are we able to do? We're able to bless others right? When we save, what are we able to do? We're able to build up something so that we are ready for ourselves. When we, when we spend, what are we able to do? We're able to take care of those living expenses that we have, right? That's what we want to do. Give, save, live. As a matter of fact, I would recommend that we do it in that order, that we give first, we save second, and we spend last, right? Why? Because if we start the other way, what do we do? We spend all, and then there's not enough for that save and give portion, is there? But if we set aside an amount right at the beginning and we say, you know what? I'm going to give regularly. I'm going to give proportionately. What does that mean? I'm going to take a percentage out of my giving and I am going to give proportionately. You know what? Every time I get a check, I'm going to give this amount. And I'm just going to do that routinely. And then we give sacrificially. We want to be those who give when we see a need. We're like, you know what? I I don't have a whole lot of extra money in my pocket, but I want to make sure that I give. How many of you think you just have extra money laying around? Anybody ever think that? I don't think that, right? So what do we have to do? We have to be intentional in our lives to say, guess what? I want to give. I want to give regularly. I want to give sacrificially. I want to give out of love. Why? Because I believe that God is calling us to do that. I believe that God says that's best for me. And then the other thing, That the rich man did he thought he had more time right he thought he had plenty of time all right this is what happens in our life why more is never enough it's because we think that we have more time take a look at all three of them again all three of them that line up right there what why is more never enough because we think it's all for me we think it's all for me and then because i always think that i have more time you know I'll, i'll give later on in life i'll give i'll give to this person down the line i'll give here and then i'll give then again but i got to wait till I have enough to do that. God said to him, you fool, this night your very life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. How are we rich toward God? We're rich toward God when we're rich toward other people. We're rich towards God when we look for opportunities to bless and to share with other people. All the money that I have, it won't buy me more time. It won't. What is the story that you want to remember? And what is the story that you want told? I go to a number of funerals, right, and... You've probably heard this said, but I've never seen a bank car following the hearse, right? You've never seen a Briggs truck following a hearse with their money. You've never heard the stories about, oh, how much money they spent on all the fancy things that they had, unless it's just for a little bit of fun to talk about them. But you have heard stories about how they affected the lives of other people. You hear stories about how they were giving when you were at a funeral, how they were loving and how they shared with others and how they touched the lives of those around them. Think about this. Many of you, you've given to this church for a number of years. And Reed mentioned this morning four lives of of teenage students of fusion and craze that have been changed in this year. Your giving has an effect on that. That's a story that you can tell. How many lives have been changed through the process of Of Bridgewater Church over the past year, I should have looked the number up, but I and I don't remember it. But people that come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through the ministry here—that's a result of your giving. Those of you that give regularly, those of you that give as as you can—we say thank you for that. That is part of the story that you want to remember. For some of you, it may be looking around at a family member that you've helped, a friend that you've helped. For some of you, it may be a memory of somebody that has helped you in your time of need. And you're able to say thank you. You see, God uses what he has given you to bless others. And when we are part of that, when we are willing to give so that we can share with those that are around us, we are more like our God in giving and blessing we're reminded that God so loved the world that he gave. How about if we're more like God in our lives every day? I'd encourage you. Be thankful for what you have. Be individuals who are working on being people that are able to give on a regular basis. Pray with me, please. God, as we close our time together this morning, again, we say thank you. Lord, may I be reminded to say thank you for all that you have done. God, even the ability to be here this morning is a gift of you. It is you that has brought this church together. It is you that has built your church. Lord, and we are so thankful that we can be a part of this body, part of this group, encouraging one another. But Lord, may we look for opportunities where we can be those who bless others. God, may we be grateful. Today, may we be reminded to be grateful. Lord, for those of us that struggle with that, help us, help us, remind us on a regular basis to be grateful, to look around and be thankful. Lord, it can start with things as simple as our, as simple as our health, as simple as our ability to do work, as simple as that job that we have. As simple as the thanks for the spouse, the thanks for the family members, thanks for my parents. Whatever it may be, Lord stir to our mind to be individuals who are grateful, hearts full of gratitude for those that are around us. God, I say thank you for each one that is here this morning. I pray that you would bless and encourage them. And Lord, may we say thanks to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who makes it possible for us to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine through your church, through the work that is going on here, seeing the lives of people change. We say thank you for Jesus, and we pray this in his name. Amen. Thank you. Let's stand and sing one more song together.